Hello and welcome to Aboriginal Way. I'm Kalia Alice and on today's program we hear from June Oscar, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner at the Australian Human Rights Commission. June is the first Aboriginal woman to be appointed in the role. She became Commissioner in 2017. June Oscar is a proud Boodoomba woman from the remote town of Fitzroy Crossing in Western Australia's Kimberley region. And we hear from June today, um, she'll discuss some of the projects she has been leading since becoming Commissioner. And it was a really great chat. And I look forward to bringing that interview to you shortly. First up, though... Let's hear from Baker Boy and his new release, Cool as Hell. I've been feeling like a lone wolf, dancing in the street light, howling at the moon. When I hear the beat, not a guy, but boy, you're not my rhyme. And that was Baker Boy, Cool as Hell. You're listening to Aboriginal Way. We have a wonderful interview coming up with June Oscar. She is the first Aboriginal woman appointed to the role of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner at the Human Rights Commission. And June has been fighting tirelessly for the voices of Aboriginal women and girls to be heard around the country. She's been travelling all last year around Australia and holding consultations in communities and trying to get women's voices heard. And I first asked the Commissioner how the consultation process went. The We Yani Udangani project, which was uh, Women's Voices, and it's um, in my language, Bonoba, it was a national engagement uh, with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and girls, and it was the first time that we had been able to conduct such a national engagement um, in 32 years. The first being uh, the Women's Business uh, Report, which was um, coordinated uh, by the Aboriginal Women's Task Force back in the day of um, the Department of Aboriginal Affairs. So... um, before ATSIC was established. Aboriginal women advocated, lobbied um, the Department of Aboriginal Affairs to engage with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women across the country and to hear their perspectives on the things that mattered for them. So 32 years is a long time uh, for such an engagement. Um, But, you know, that's not to say that women haven't been contributing to the big issues at community level, at regional and state and national and international levels. Um, I acknowledge that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women have been contributing um, so much in in and across this space on, on a whole raft of issues. But this was a um, a, a, an engagement that was unique. It was the first time the Australian Human Rights Commission, in the and being also the first Aboriginal woman into the role of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner in 25 years, uh, that we and I saw fit 
to engage with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women across the country to, to give information and insights around the role of the Social Justice Commissioner and to um, speak to women about their rights, their human rights. But the engagement was an opportunity focused entirely on them. We did not engage with women with any pre-arranged or set agenda. We simply engaged with them and asked um, four questions. Firstly, what is it that keeps you going, that keeps you committed and achieving the, the great things that you're achieving on behalf of family, community, yourself, uh, as an Indigenous women, woman in Australia. We ask them what are the things that challenges them, that undermines their right to succeed. And um, we ask them also what is it that they would like to see changed and what would that change look like through their um, lived experiences and their perspectives and uh, what would they want to say to the Prime Minister of Australia because this report will be my first report to uh, the Federal Parliament. Uh, it will be tabled in Parliament in June this year. So uh, I thought it was critical that we got to um, hear what it was that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and girls wanted to share from their lived experiences on the issues that mattered to them. And you said that this project is for all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and girls and that it is your job to guide the government with the information you gather. How did you go with such responsibility and such a complex and I'm guessing quite an emotional role? Oh, look, um, you're absolutely right because women um, do so much, women carry a um, you know, huge role in families um, the, as the nurturers, the educators, the life givers, the supports to men and boys, to young people, to um, older people in our families and communities. And women also um, give of their time in raising um, you know, insights and information and awareness on issues that are important to them, but their families and their communities. And so women came to these sessions um, from their own lived experiences and they shared, um, you know, so much with us at, um, at these sessions. And it was very emotional um, at times when, you know, women expressed um, in these uh, safe, Spaces where we held these um, sessions, they were able to express their emotions. They were able to speak their truths, as difficult as it was. And it was our job to sit and listen and um, to record what it is that they wanted us to hear and what it is that they wanted us to convey in terms of elevating their voices and their issues. And during the consultations, did you meet any women who were involved in the women's business consult 32 years ago? 
Yes, we did, and that was so exciting. Um, we had um, Dr. Jackie Huggins, the co-chair of the um, the Congress, um, the First Peoples um, Congress here in Australia. Uh, Jackie uh, was a strong um, ally and supporter um, of this project and worked side by side with me. And then there were times that, that I, you know, I had to take leave from the project, you know, due to sorry business and had to return home. Jackie was at the ready and stepped in and took on the role as the, as, um, the lead in some of these sessions. Um, we had Jackie and, the, and then we met up with um, different women across the country who were involved in the um, original consultations with the Aboriginal Women's Task Force. Well, that's quite, yeah, that's quite incredible over three decades and I'm hoping that you got some positive feedback from the women. You know, w women um, were able to raise some of the um, similar issues that were, were raised by women 32 years ago. So women have said, you know, we've been talking about these issues for this long. We know there's been um, inquiries and engagements on these issues. We have had these conversations before. We want those in a position of authority, influence and action to listen and work with us partner with us in uh, how we respond to the challenges that we face and we know how and what works in our communities. And what about younger women and girls? Did they have much input? They had a lot of input. Uh, we had, um, you know, young women who, uh, you know, younger women who are still at um, high school, those who are attending um, tertiary level, you know, education, those who are in professional um, jobs, whether they're um, either lawyers or teachers or um, you know managers and pe you know people in senior management positions. So we had mothers, we had young mums. We were able to speak with the grandmothers and the great grandmothers. So we had the opportunity of hearing the issues that are unique to the young women, the girls, and, and to hear and see their strength and their positivity and their hope, the hope that they have around their roles and their commitments to change for the better um, for their futures. But it's really um, humbling and we were absolutely honoured and privileged to hear from young women as well as women um, from the older generations. And what's next for the project, June? You said that you'll be presenting the report uh, in June. Um, is there anything else that needs to be done before that? Well, um, I have... Um, with my team, we are right now, as we speak, in the drafting of the report 
and we will um, provide that to, you know, transmit that to government in May. And um, then what we will be um, focused on is the, um, is the need for action, for implementation. So these are the issues. This is how women are saying and girls are saying you can best engage with us. This is how we need to be involved. This is um, how we can help co-design, um, you know, the solutions and, and and the direction. So, the second stage, if if you like, is about the implementation of um, uh, the recommendations and the actions. So here's a great opportunity for governments to work um, in a process that's responding to the lived realities of women around change and their role and their, their um, invitation for partnership um, and working in a partnership way with, um, with government. Another partnership that has been agreed to is with the Council of Australian Governments and they have committed to forming a genuine partnership with Indigenous Australians to finalise the Closing the Gap refresh. How do you think this partnership is going to work? Yeah, it's a wonderful opportunity that um, finally, um, through the uh, strong advocacy and lobbying of um, some of our uh, tremendous uh, leaders, such as uh, uh, Ms Pat Turner, the CEO of Nacho, and the CEOs and chairs of um, some of the um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peak bodies, they have been able to achieve this outcome that the Council of Australian Governments and the Prime Minister has committed to working in a formal partnership with the peak Indigenous organisations on closing the gap refresh. So... You know, we're excited by that. This partnership really does have the potential to be a game changer. It, you know, what it does spell out is that it, it gives uh, active participation in the decisions about the matters that affect us. And it allows for the voices of Indigenous Australians at the community, local and national levels to be heard. And um, it's a long time coming. I think um, this is the only way we can see um, some real change taking place by involving, including the Indigenous expertise at the table. June, do you think it's because um, we're failing to meet the targets that it's now that governments are actually starting to realise that they need to get input from community and from the people who actually know what's going on and know what needs to be changed? Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, this is an opportunity here of getting it right and that it has um, taken um, you know, government and the leadership in, in um, the departments and the people who are drafting policy to finally acknowledge that without the involvement of Indigenous peoples in directing and shaping, co-designing policies that are going to be effective, 
um, to, to change the status of these targets and improve the uh, outcomes, uh, that we, it, you know, any process must include Indigenous peoples. And lastly, you recently made comments on key findings of uh, the the Reconciliation Australia survey called the Reconciliation Barometer. And the survey found that 75% of Australians believe Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people should have a say and input into the matters that affect them. And this kind of ties back into the partnership and trying to reach the closing the gap targets as well. Um, obviously the wider community are starting to understand that it's to do with grassroots movements um, coming together that way. And it also found that people believe in truth-telling and the importance of truth-telling in relation to Australia's history. Um, You recently made comments about that. I was wondering if you could expand on the survey's findings. Well, the um, you know the survey uh, is conducted every two years, and it's been happening since 2008. And the survey measures the progress of reconciliation between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and non-Indigenous Australians. And as you pointed out, there have been some key findings. Uh, for example, 79% agree that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures are important to Australia's national identity, that 95% uh, believe that it is important for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to have a say in matters that affect us, and 80% believe it is important to undertake the formal truth-telling processes in relation to Australia's shared history. So they're they're important um, numbers to uh, understand and appreciate, what that speaks to, it speaks to a strength in the country for the support to reconcile with the First Peoples of Australia. However, uh, you know, it is um, a, an opportunity where we, as First Peoples and the um, new arrivals, the, the people who came out of England and established their homes here after whether they were convicts or free settlers and then the arrival of other people to um, our country, there has got to be this opportunity for them to hear the truth about the relationship of us as First People and themselves as um, people who came to this country. It's important to do that, and it's important to do that in a respectful way. And we have seen many community groups, uh, many local Aboriginal organisations work with other organisations in that um, truth-telling, in sharing the histories, in developing um, programs and activities and opportunities for greater understanding there has been a lot of people contributing to improving uh, the relationships uh, between us as the First People and um, people who came later. And, um, you know, there have been dialogues, there have been um, agreements and um, sorry books, and people have done a lot out there across the country 
to help um, drive this change that we um, so desperately need to see. But, you know, again, we still have a long way to go and it's disturbing that the um, Reconciliation Australia barometer found that experiences of racial prejudice have remained steady and that 43% of Indigenous Australians experienced at least one form of racial prejudice, uh, prejudice in the last uh, six months. And while one in three Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people experience at least one form of verbal racial abuse, uh, this is what has to change. We need to be committed to changing and stamping out racism in all its forms, wherever it it happens and it, you know racism in any form is unacceptable and that was june oscar speaking to me june is the social justice commissioner at the human rights commission um just on the point that june made last about racism still being quite prevalent in australia the human rights commission has a complaints process that is available to anyone if you hop onto their website and you can go to complaints and there's a guide um, to help anyone who would like to make a complaint. It is there for people who are experiencing discrimination, harassment or bullying. And it's important for people to um, be made aware of these processes um, and to make formal complaints um, in a bid to combat racism, uh, harassment and discrimination in Australia Thanks for listening and thank you so much to the Commissioner for taking her time to join us on Aboriginal Way. I'm Kalia Alice and I hope you can join us next week. Bye for now.